so today we'll uh, take a look at chapter 34, which is the uh, last chapter of Deuteronomy, uh, which speaks about the death of Moses, and it also speak, introduces us uh, to the next leader, which is uh, Joshua. And the chapter ends uh, with the legacy of Moses and what made him uh, a great leader uh, in the eyes of God. So the last few weeks, uh, we've been looking at the death, uh, at the last days of Moses, and in chapter 31, we saw that Moses uh, wrote the book of law, uh, even, as you, even as he was commanded. And the, law, the book of law was placed uh, by the Ark of the Covenant. And we saw that uh, it had to be read uh, every uh, seven years. And in chapter 32, we saw the Song of Moses, uh, which was essentially a reminder to the people of Israel uh, what would be the consequence uh, of disobeying the law. So they were uh, taught to sing the song, which is not really a happy song, but it would remind them uh, every time they break the law, uh, there would be a consequence. And last week, uh, we looked at the blessing of tribes. Uh, we saw how Moses blessed uh, each and every tribe, and we compared it with uh, how Joshua blessed, uh, how Jacob blessed uh, his children, uh, because that seemed like a parallel. So those are some of the things uh, that Moses was occupied with uh, during uh, his last days. Uh, even as he is preparing uh, for death, uh, we see that he's doing some uh, important things uh, in terms of making sure that the law is uh, being passed from one generation to the next, so that uh, when the people enter the promised land, uh, they can follow the law that the Lord gave them. And it is only by obeying the law that they would be able to enjoy the fullness of blessing uh, in the promised land. So that reminds us uh, what, what are we occupied with uh, during our last days. And we see that Moses uh, is going till the very last day, uh, fulfilling uh, God's call in his life. And till the very last day, uh, he is obedient uh, to what uh, God has called him to do. And he's not really taking a rest. Uh, during the last uh, 40 years of his life, when he has been leading uh, the people of Israel uh, through the wilderness journey, and he has brought them all the way uh, to the border of promised land. And that is what the Lord expects uh, from each one of us, uh, even as we read in the parallel uh, parable, the master expected the servants uh, to be occupied uh, till he comes. So we should not get uh, lazy or we should not slack off. Uh, in the call that we have uh, in our life, and we should remain uh, faithful till the end. And that's a good lesson that we can learn uh, even from the life of Moses. So today we'll uh, get to the last chapter, which is chapter 34. And uh, we skipped uh, this part of chapter 32 since uh, it connects with chapter 34. Uh, they both uh, make a reference uh, to the death of Moses and how he was called by God uh, for his last days. Yeah, so someone can read 32, 48 through 52. Yeah, so one of the things that we notice uh, is the Lord is giving very uh, clear directions. And we see that when Moses uh, was walking with the Lord, uh, he had a very intimate uh, relationship with the Lord. And oftentimes when we uh, feel that God is not uh, giving us clear direction, uh, it may be simply because our relationship with the Lord uh, is not that intimate, but we see that the Lord is uh, able to speak to us uh, from his word. Uh, he is able to speak to us when we go in prayer, 
and he is able to guide each one of us clearly, uh, even as he guided Moses. And obviously, this is not a journey. Uh, it's not a happy journey. Uh, the Lord is giving him uh, instructions. Uh, it's not a journey to life, but it is a journey to death. So God is uh, giving the instructions, and we see that Moses uh, continues to obey the Lord uh, based on the instruction uh, that was given to him. Uh, even as God gave the laws and Moses uh, faithfully delivered all the laws uh, to the people of Israel, uh, in the same way in his own personal life, uh, we see that Moses' life uh, is uh, based, is characterized by obedience. And it is that obedience that he had, uh, which led to the intimate relationship that he had with God, and which led to the great uh, conclusion of this chapter that we will see later. And we see the location is uh, Mount Nebo. Uh, it says in Pisgah Mountains in the land of Moab, uh, and it overlooks uh, the promised land. And today that would be the land of Jordan. And we see that the important uh, events uh, that took place in the life of Moses, uh, he was alone with the Lord. Uh, he was alone when he started the journey uh, at the burning bush when God called him. And he was alone when the Lord gave him the Ten Commandments at the Mount where God called him uh, up. And here again, we see that Moses uh, is traveling alone uh, to die, even though all these 40 years uh, he has been uh, guiding a big group of people. But when the time came to die, God again uh, takes him out, uh, out of the crowd and calls him out alone uh, for that moment. And we saw some of the titles uh, that were given to Moses. Uh, in chapter 33, we saw that he was called a man of God. And in chapter 34, uh, verse 5, uh, he's again uh, given a great title, which is the servant uh, of the Lord. And oftentimes, uh, we use uh, those titles uh, very loosely. Uh, but when God uh, gives those titles, uh, he's giving it to Moses, who, who definitely had a much uh, higher character and a much uh, closer walk with the Lord. And we see that uh, in the verses that we read, uh, we see that he died according to the word of the Lord in verse five, and God uh, himself uh, buried uh, Moses, and uh, the exact uh, location of where God buried him uh, is not known. And it is not given in the scriptures uh, in terms of where he was buried. And we are also told that Moses was 120 years old, and he was uh, in good health. So we see that God uh, took Moses out uh, when he was in good health. And one of the, his, one of the reason uh, is that his mission had ended. Uh, the purpose for which God had kept him alive uh, up to this point, uh, that mission had ended. And Moses was not going to enter the promised land. And God chose to call him uh, to him. And we see the same thing in the experience of Enoch. Uh, he was walking with God and God took him. And in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, verse 11, we again see that Elijah is taken up uh, by God in a dramatic uh, fashion. And as is common uh, in that culture, we see that the Israelites, uh, they mourned uh, for their leader, uh, Moses, uh, for 30 days uh, in verse 8. There is also a reference uh, to the death of Moses uh, in Jude chapter 9, uh, but there is not much uh, context or there is no reference back in the Old Testament. Uh, it speaks about Michael the archangel uh, having a conflict uh, with the devil uh, in terms of disputing uh, the body of Moses. 
So one interpretation could be maybe Michael the archangel, maybe he was the one who buried uh, Moses. And the dispute could be simply, uh, maybe the devil had a different plan uh, in terms of what uh, he wanted to do uh, with the body. But uh, it's not very, it's not clear. So obviously different people would have different interpretations. And we are also, as we saw in, uh, that Moses uh, would be dying without entering the promised land. And as we have seen earlier, uh, Moses uh, failed to enter uh, because of the sins uh, that were committed. And the Bible uh, refers to two types of sin. Uh, we read in Deuteronomy 137, and the Lord was angry with me uh, for your sakes, uh, saying, thou shalt not go uh, in thither. So Moses, uh, as a leader, uh, he is paying a price uh, for the sins uh, of the entire uh, community. But we also read uh, that Moses uh, is also prevented uh, from going to the promised land uh, because of the sin uh, that he committed uh, in terms of disobedience uh, that we have read before. Uh, when the Lord told him to speak uh, to the rock, uh, he smites the rock. And he doesn't simply uh, smite it once, uh, but he's smiting, striking the rock twice, uh, which shows that maybe he was angry or maybe uh, he didn't have enough faith or definitely he didn't obey the instructions. And the Lord held him uh, to a very high standard, uh, even though he was faithful for 40 years uh, because of those sins, uh, we see that he does not uh, enter the promised land. But Moses uh, reappears uh, in the New Testament, uh, as we know, uh, in Transfiguration, uh, in Matthew chapter 17. Uh, Moses is seen uh, along with Elijah. And also in Revelation chapter 11, uh, verse 3, uh, there is a reference uh, to, to two witnesses. And some uh, believe that uh, the two witnesses could be Moses and Elijah. But again, since uh, it is not stated, uh, it would be open to interpretation. So one of the questions that often people have is what happens uh, to the body after death? And Bible is very clear uh, in terms of what happens uh, after death uh, if the Lord does not return uh, before we die. So we see that the body goes to the ground, but the soul uh, goes to the Lord uh, immediately. So we are told in uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 7, then shall the dust return to the earth. So we know that we were formed uh, from the dust, dust. So our body will return to the earth and the spirit will return uh, unto God uh, who gave it. And again, in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul says, uh, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent uh, from the body and to be present uh, with the Lord. So those two events are happening simultaneously. So absent from the body is death. And as soon as you die, uh, the soul goes to be with the Lord. And again, we know from Luke uh, 23, 43, uh, when Lord Jesus tells one of the thieves, uh, today you shall be with me in paradise. So when people ask us uh, what happens uh, after we die, uh, the Bible is very clear that the body may be buried, but the soul goes to the Lord uh, immediately. And the Bible also tells us uh, there is something that happens afterwards. The body is uh, reunited uh, with the soul and the body is given a glorified form. 
and the believers are also judged uh, after the resurrection and then they are in the presence of God uh, forever. So these are some other references that remind us uh, as in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, uh, it reminds us that dead in Christ uh, shall rise first and 1 Corinthians 15.52 uh, reminds us that our bodies uh, will be changed uh, into glorified body and 2 Corinthians 5.10 uh, reminds us that uh, believers uh, will appear uh, before the judgment seat of Christ and we will receive uh, rewards uh, based on our works. So this is not a judgment uh, for our salvation, but is a, it is a judgment for the rewards uh, that we receive, uh, for the works uh, that we did, for the fruitfulness of our life uh, after salvation. And Revelation 21 uh, speaks about new heaven and new earth and speaks about spending all of eternity uh, in the presence of God. So we have clear uh, answers uh, in terms of what happens uh, after death uh, for believers. In the same way, the scripture is very clear uh, in terms of what happens after death uh, for unbelievers. And the Bible reminds us that the just like the believers are raised again, the unbelievers, uh, they will also be uh, resurrected and they would be brought uh, to the great uh, white throne judgment. And after that, they are sent to uh, eternal death uh, in the lake of fire, as we read in Revelation uh, chapter 20 and verse uh, 15. So the choice is uh, always uh, up to us. And we can see that the believers uh, have a better future uh, to look forward to. Uh, even as we are reminded in John 3.16, uh, if we believe uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we will be blessed with everlasting life. And at the same time, if we choose uh, to reject, then we will not see life, but the uh, punishment of the Lord will be upon us and we would be condemned for all of eternity. So that's a choice that all of us have to make uh, before we die. But the scripture is clear uh, in terms of what happens after death. So when we look at the death of Moses, uh, this chapter reminds us that uh, it is not the end, uh, but it is a new beginning uh, in the life of Israel. And uh, we are reminded about the next leader uh, in promised land, which would be uh, Joshua. As we've been seeing uh, in earlier chapters, uh, a promise uh, was given, uh, a promise of seed and also a promise of land. So the promise of a seed was the promise of Lord Jesus Christ. And the promise was also given that the Israelites uh, as a nation uh, will continue to multiply. And when we look uh, at the history of uh, Israelites, and as we read the scriptures, we see that uh, all of these promises have been fulfilled. Uh, the promise of seed uh, came in the form of Lord Jesus Christ. And in this uh, in book of Joshua, they will enter the promised land. And after in Egypt and also after that, we have seen that the nation has multiplied. So it is a promise uh, that was given to Abraham that we read in Genesis uh, chapter 12. I will make thee a great nation and unto thy seed uh, will I give this land. And that promise is uh, reinforced uh, to his son, Isaac, and again, it is reinforced uh, to Isaac's son, Jacob. And after that, the promise is again reinforced uh, to Joseph. As we read in Genesis uh, 50, 24, uh, Joseph said unto his brethren, 
uh, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land uh, unto the land uh, which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. So what we see is that uh, our God is a promise giving and a promise uh, keeping God. And when we go to the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11, uh, we see that all of their names uh, are mentioned uh, in, the, in that chapter, which we often say uh, are the heroes of faith. So that reminds us that maybe we also might be waiting uh, for fulfillment of some promise uh, in our life, or we are waiting for something uh, from the Lord. And uh, this reminds us that we simply have to wait in faith uh, because our God is a promise giving and a promise uh, keeping God. And it is only by faith and patience uh, that we can inherit uh, all the promises because not all promises are fulfilled uh, immediately. It takes time uh, according to God's will and according to God's time. Uh, but we know that the Lord is not slack uh, concerning his promise, uh, as we are reminded of 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Uh, even for the second coming of Christ, uh, we know that that will also happen, uh, just like God has fulfilled uh, many of the promises that are spoken of in the Bible. We also see that the promised land that the people of children of Israel were about to enter, uh, it was a promise uh, to possess that land. Uh, with no uh, time limit. So it was not a promised land that was given on lease uh, for 50 years, 100 years. But God's uh, plan was that people of Israel, they will be able to enter the promised land. They will be able to conquer uh, all the nations that were there, and they would be able to take possession of the land uh, forever. But even as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 29, uh, if there is uh, disobedience, then it would lead to loss of land and the Lord will root them out of that land and he will uh, scatter them and he will use that uh, as punishment. But we also read in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 5, that when people of Israel return and when they repent, uh, they would be restored. So that's uh, also a lesson for us. Uh, there are many promises that God gives us, and all of those promises are ours uh, to claim by faith and to receive it. But if there is any sin in our life, uh, oftentimes we see that the promises are delayed or the promises are not fulfilled. But when we recognize uh, our mistakes and when we repent and turn to God, uh, there is always uh, the promise of restoration. So we saw also in chapter 30 that our God is a God who's always uh, forgiving us and he's always giving us a second chance. Now we come to verse 9 uh, where we are introduced to uh, Joshua uh, as the next uh, leader. Okay, So we see that there is a very peaceful uh, transition that is taking place, a peaceful transition of power uh, from Moses uh, to Joshua. And when we look in the world, uh, we see that people uh, don't do that. They want to hold on to the power. And there's a lot of fighting that takes place uh, even in politics because people uh, don't want to give up their seats. But here we see a very peaceful uh, transition. Uh, God is saying that the time for Moses has ended and Joshua has to take over. And we also see that Moses uh, does not question 
Uh, he doesn't tell God that I want to lead for 10 more years or I want to see the nation prosper in the promised land uh, for which he has struggled for the last 40 years. Uh, he doesn't question God's ways or God's will or God's timing. Uh, he simply does as the Lord uh, commanded him and he appoints uh, Joshua uh, as the next leader, uh, even as God told him to. So that again speaks uh, to the humility of Moses. Uh, it speaks to the obedience of Moses uh, to whatever God told him to do. And we also see that Joshua is uh, publicly recognized uh, as a leader. Uh, it is not a secret uh, appointment. Uh, the whole community needs to know that uh, Moses is stepping down and there would be a new leader for them. And Joshua is recognized because uh, he had the spirit uh, of wisdom. And we see that Moses uh, blesses Joshua by laying on of hands. And he also gives him the charge uh, that is given by God himself. So we know that, uh, again, uh, this is a divine appointment. Uh, Moses is not simply choosing uh, someone randomly. Uh, he has been cl given clear directions by God that Joshua is the person who's chosen, chosen uh, for the next uh, in line. So again, that's an important decision that we see uh, in practical life. Uh, when we are making changes, uh, it should always be uh, directed by God and we should be sensitive to God's uh, guidance. And in verse nine, we also see that the Israelites, uh, they are willing to accept uh, Joshua as a leader. Uh, they might have observed uh, Joshua uh, in the wilderness journey. Uh, they might have noticed that Joshua was very closely following Moses, and they might have observed some character traits uh, in Joshua. So they are willing to accept uh, Joshua as a leader. So that again speaks uh, to the wisdom of God that he wants to appoint someone uh, that the people will readily accept. So Joshua leads for some time, and then he dies at the age of 110. And when we read uh, other sections of the scripture, we see that uh, Joshua was very close to Moses uh, at different points, and that maybe that's how he received the training, or that is how he was mentored, or that is how he grew uh, in his leadership skills. So the chapter ends uh, by reminding us that Moses was great, and we can speak about the legacy or what made Moses great or what made him a successful leader. Okay, so uh, the chapter ends uh, very quickly with uh, just a few verses uh, dedicated to Moses uh, at the end. Uh, but we see some uh, big things here uh, in the way God recognizes Moses as an extraordinary prophet. Uh, there was no prophet like unto Moses uh, in Israel after that time. And of course, until Lord Jesus Christ came himself, uh, Moses was considered as the greatest uh, prophet. And as you have seen uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, he was not only a prophet, but he was also he also took on the role of a priest. Uh, he took on the role of a judge. He took on the role of a ruler and a great leader based on the circumstances. And the great thing about Moses that we also observed earlier uh, is that he knew the Lord face-to-face. Uh, -face. Uh, it does not mean that uh, he had a face-to-face -face, uh, conversation. Uh, it means that uh, Moses had a very intimate uh, relationship with the Lord. 
and the Lord uh, spoke to Moses uh, directly and Moses was uh, enjoyed the presence of God and he could uh, say with confidence uh, that it is God who is leading me, uh, it is God who is uh, speaking to me. And we also know from history that Moses uh, witnessed uh, some of the greatest uh, miracles such as the parting of the Red Sea and at the same time Moses himself uh, also performed uh, miracles uh, through the power of God, uh, through the uh, grace of God uh, in the wilderness and also in Egypt. So when we think of a life of Moses, uh, we see many uh, great uh, qualities in him. Uh, and we can say that maybe that's why uh, he was successful, or maybe that's why he's considered as one of the great leaders uh, that we see in the Bible. So in Exodus uh, chapter three, we know that Moses was called uh, when he was at the burning bush and he is anointed by God. And we also see that throughout his life, Moses uh, depended uh, upon God. And that is why uh, he said that God's presence uh, should go with him. And if God's presence is not there, then he doesn't want to uh, continue his journey. So he knew that God was the source of his strength uh, God was the source uh, of his wisdom. So just the calling is not enough. Uh, we also need to be uh, enabled by God. We need to be empowered by God uh, to do his work. And Moses uh, was also a great leader because he heard from God, as we have seen on different occasions. Uh, God spoke to him uh, directly. And in, we also see that he had the shepherd's heart. Uh, even when the people of Israel sinned, uh, he didn't reject them. Uh, he went back and he would intercede with God on their behalf. He would ask God to forgive them. He would ask God to be merciful to them. And God would generally listen, each of pardon. And we also see that uh, Moses was generally obedient uh, to God with a few exceptions that we have seen. And in Deuteronomy 9.14, uh, we see that uh, Moses uh, was not covetous when God made him a, a great offer that he's going to destroy uh, all the Israelites and he can start a new line uh, with him. Uh, Moses uh, did not take that offer, but he uh, continued to intercede uh, for the people of Israel and he continued to lead them. And we also know that Moses uh, was patient based on the many uh, incidents uh, that we see where people were always uh, murmuring about different things but Moses uh, remained uh, patient with them uh, through those situations. And in Exodus uh, 18 that we have seen before also, that Moses uh, was open to counsel from others. And in this uh, specific uh, incident, uh, he was open to counsel from his father-in-law in terms of how to uh, manage the affairs or how to lead the people uh, more effectively. And God himself says in Exodus 12, 7, that uh, Moses uh, is a faithful man. And in Numbers uh, 12, 3, it says, uh, there was no person who was as humble or as meek uh, as Moses. So all of these are great qualities that we should see, uh, not only in leaders, but these are also great qualities that we, we should see uh, in our own uh, personal life. And when we... Uh, embody these qualities, I feel that God will be pleased 
and we would see his blessings uh, in our life. So Moses was great, uh, but we can say that uh, he was not uh, irreplaceable. So we see that God's work uh, is not uh, interrupted uh, just because somebody dies. So in this case, uh, even though Moses is great, uh, God's work will continue. And God's promise that the Israelites will possess uh, the promised land uh, will continue. And that is what we also see uh, when we observe different churches and different ministries. Uh, it is God who begins the work and it is God who ends the work. And just because people are dying or people are drifting away or people are not there, it doesn't mean that God's work will come to an end. So we should never uh, elevate people and treat them like gods, uh, which we often see when somebody becomes uh, very famous. Uh, we tend to elevate them. We tend to uh, make them like great uh, men of God or women of God. Uh, we should not do that because it is God who appoints people at different places at different times. And it is only by God's grace that the work uh, continues. And we are simply instruments. Uh, we are simply vessels. Uh, that are used by God uh, for his glory and for his purpose. So that's where uh, the book of Deuteronomy ends uh, with chapter 34. So we saw uh, the death of Moses and we saw that Moses uh, was given instructions uh, even for the last chapter of his life. And we see that the promise of promised land was forever uh, unless uh, they broke the commandments. And we saw why Joshua might have been a good choice uh, and he was the right choice uh, simply because he was appointed by God. And anything that comes from God is always correct. Uh, there is no reason for us to question. There is no reason for us to doubt that God will pick uh, the wrong person. And as we saw, there was no reason for Israelites to be worried. Uh, even though Moses is gone, God has already made a plan uh, to have a different person to lead them into the promised land. And when we read the book of Joshua, we see that uh, it was a very victorious uh, chapter. Uh, Joshua is very successful in uh, defeating uh, many enemies. It's generally a very positive book, book of Joshua.